Hello and welcome to the Hockey Puckcast for the first ever immediate post-game recap and review that we have had, and I expect it to be far from the last one that we do. My name is Tyler, and I am joined tonight only by John. John, how are you doing after a fantastic night of hockey? Uh, the only two words I have to say are Peter Mrazek. Yeah, let's start there. Um, actually, we'll get back to Peter Mrazek. I want to start with a couple things, you know, heading up into the game. First thing, I get that it's Connor Bedard's debut, but my God, was ESPN milking it so much. <laughs> like, you got, they have to chill out. We get it. He's awesome. He played well tonight. It was far from a spectacular game of his. We know what he's capable of. But like they, it was like every single second, like oh my god, he breathed and he skates good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a little. I mean, I like Connor Bedard, so I didn't have a problem with it. But it was a little much looking back on it. Um, it was had an interview. They had an interview with Emily Kaplan. They had a video ready for, to go for him. They any chance they had, they put the camera on him, which I'm not uh, bashing them for. Just, uh, just staying the facts. Um, but I mean, yeah, he played well course, tonight. Of course, it makes sense that the game yeah, does make sense. where Connor Bedard, or everything's about Connor Bedard, is won by Jason Dickinson. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like, does anything else? Anything else? I mean, like, is there anything else that I can say other than the fact that a game where everyone was hyping up Connor Bedard is won in the end by a great goal? From Jason Dickinson, based off some really fantastic fourth line play, and he was falling down too. So that's not that's not that made it even harder of a shot. Yeah, it was a bit. I was surprised that the puck even got to him. And I think the fact that it was like kind of kind of took a bit of a weird angle to get there. Um, I want to start uh, moving into the first period because I saw a lot of uh, commentary from some people we were talking to about um, very uh, negative against Ryan Donato and his performance in the first period. Yeah, it wasn't too good. But then he picked it up with the goal. Yeah, he got the goal, and he got the goal in the same way that he's been playing the entire time that he's been with us, or the entire way that he showed the entire night, which was he's a hustle guy, and he will outwork you. Now, does that necessarily mean that I think he's the perfect linemate for Connor Bedard? No. No. I think that we need someone with more size. I think that... I would would agree. I will say Jesse Pugliarvi again, but if you want someone who's in the organization already, I don't think they exist. So I'll say Jesse Pugliarvi. I mean, how how big is he? I'm just trying to just do this on the Pugliarvi's fly. Pugliarvi's like 6'4". He's definitely like 6'4". He is 6 foot even, 190. Oh, you're talking about Donato? Yeah, Donato. But Donato. Yeah, no, Jesse Pugliarvi is six foot four, and Ryan Donato is six foot. So, like, yeah. I, I think that Ryan Donato is a capable hockey player who I think fits best on, like, our third line. Yeah. I think he'd, I think he'd do really well on, 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 I think he'd do really well on a third line. Playing him with, like, Gutman, I think would fit really well. That's where I had him in our uh, preseason, uh, like, uh, lineup predictions. I had him on the third line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that... And obviously, it's only been one game. It's just what we're seeing up to this point. It's just a note that we've been feeling so far about what we think about how things are going. Um, The Hawks really did seem like they controlled the game to start. 
uh, at least the, the first period, beginning of the second period, it seemed like despite the fact that we fell behind, we really did control the game a bit. Yeah. Um, we had... I mean, they, Pittsburgh picked it up, but at one point, the shots were like 21 to like 10, so somewhere like something like that, in favor of us. So we were definitely yeah. controlling the the play. Probably, I think that was in the second period I saw that. And we had like 17 shots on goal in the first period alone, which is pretty shocking, considering that we had 17 shots on goal the entire game in the first game last year against Colorado. <laughs> Yeah, no, we had 17 shots. Um, we did get outshot a bit in the second um, in total. Uh, and then by that point, it was 27-27 uh, by the end of the second. And in the end, we did technically get outshot. But I still think that in that time, we controlled the play a lot more. And even when we didn't control the play, which we'll get, we'll get to the third period. Let's talk more about the first period because there were a couple of important things that happened. Um, I thought Wyatt Kaiser started the game really rough. Yeah, uh, I don't think it was. I I tend to lean towards your analysis more than mine, but I thought it was. I, th- I just thought he was fine. I don't think he was I mean, terrible. There was, there was one. There was one moment where. Or there was a pass behind him where it just let him slip past him, and he just completely lost his man, which you don't want to see that moving forward, but I think he calmed down after that. I saw some people saying also that Korchinski was pretty rough in the first period. and I, would, I didn't think I he was that bad. The, I would tend to lean towards that, that he was pretty, mm-hmm. it was it was a word of rough for him. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't see too many terrible moments, but I don't think that it was. It wasn't like insanely good or anything. Like I think that he really had a good end to the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Looked really solid towards the end. Um, I think that throughout most of the game, though, um, Especially the one thing I want to say is that we controlled the we controlled the power play really well as well. Like the power play, yeah. um, I thought that, that was that was fantastic. The first power play that we had the entire season, um, it was an unreal keep by Seth Jones at the blue line, which that I still was don't even know how good. he did it. I I really don't know how he did it. Um, I mean the power but, play was good, but uh, it looked really rough in the preseason. So I thought it was going to be another year where. Was I was concerned too. Yeah, yeah. I I was concerned too in the preseason, uh, because of that same thing. Um, but what I noticed throughout the entire game was that we couldn't match Pittsburgh physically. Yeah, and that, that just comes with the, the rookies being, you know, oh, yeah, you know, the rookies are just finding their way. They're not gonna get into every board battle and win it. Yeah, but and yeah, I think I that, would agree with you. Yeah, I I think that with that, um, I do think that you know, sometimes player like like good player like if you're looking at like filling out your bottom sticks, saying player is better than player, sometimes it doesn't always work. Looking back now and seeing what I saw today, I think that Reese Johnson would have actually been quite, or or Mackenzie Entwistle would have been a better fit than, like, say, Boris Kachuk in the lineup tonight, because I think we needed somebody who could match them a little bit more in terms of physicality. But in the end, the win came, 
Um, couple of uh, weird fiascos, though, in terms of uh, refereeing decisions. Yeah, lots of weird ones. You got lots the, of weird ones. The offsides controversy. Yeah, you I want to start the... with the high stick, though. Yeah, the high stick was like pretty bad. Hello, Nick. Are you are you Hello, joining Nick. us for this? <laughs> We're talking about the game. Great news. Nick has joined us for to continue talking about the rest of this game. So, Nick, uh, crazy day. <laughs> crazy situation. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, um, so, first, give us an overall synopsis of your thoughts. Just, like, quick 30 seconds, your thoughts about the entire thing, and then we'll pick up, because we were just about to discuss um, the uh, high stick. The Blackhawks played very well today. Uh, they were competitive from puck drop to finish, and... Honestly, I think this is what we're going to be seeing out of them each and every night. They look like they're built to be a competitive hockey team that's not going to bend and break after going down by two, as we saw tonight. And, well, Corey Perry had himself a game. Felino had himself a game. Cole Gutman managed to get on the board. It was all around a great game for everyone on the box wonderful day so from there i want to pivot into the uh high sticking uh situation because this is weird i need to look up the rule because i didn't think that what they did they were allowed to do i thought it was brutal it was a brutal call on the revs uh reviewing it because it uh, it was Achari who uh, laid the hit, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I honestly thought it was a penalty. First, when I saw the blood and when I saw uh, Johnson go down, I was like, I think that was a high stick. But then they, I saw the blood and I was like, oh, that's going to be a four-minute power play for the Hawks. And, well, it was called that. And then the Revs reviewed it and basically... Almost botched it, in my opinion. So here's my thoughts on it. I think that when I watch the play, I agree that it's not a high stick. However, my thought is maybe I'm wrong on the rule, but I was under the impression that the only reason you have high sticking reviews is to determine contact points and what made the contact. I thought the whole point of high-sticking reviews was, was it a puck or was it a stick? Was it your stick or was it your teammate's stick? Was it your own stick? I thought that was the whole point of high-sticking reviews, was to, was specifically to know if you messed up on those details. I didn't think that something along the lines of the location of the player, because it was too low so it can't classify as a high-stick, I didn't think that was really what you could classify a high stick for. I thought that part of the decision had already been made on the ice, so that part of the decision was unreviewable. That was my impression of the situation. But it seems like that wasn't the case. It seems like they can change that part. They can change their mind on that part of it as well. I guess. Yeah, I could see where you're coming from, and I can kind of agree what you were saying with... I honestly thought... I honestly thought the same thing, so I 
Yes, <laughs> we. I need to take. By the a letter look at of the law, by the letter of the law, that exact situation is not a high stick. Yeah. I just didn't think that they would have had the authority in that moment to make that decision based on what they had already decided. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting topic, and I, looking at it multiple times, at first, be, at first I thought it was a high stick. Then I realized Johnson was kind of bent over. Then I'm like, okay, not really a high stick, but blood was drawn. I was thinking, can't there still be maybe a cross check to the face? I didn't know. But I honestly, it. who cares? We still won the game. Okay, I have yeah, the rule right here. Cares? I have the rule. Yes. I found the rule. John, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, so rule 621. High sticking is the action where a player carries the stick above the normal height of the player of opponent's shoulders and makes contact with the opponent. A player must be accountable for being in control of their stick at all times. A minor, pen- a minor or major penalty shall be assessed for high sticking an opponent. A major plus a game misconduct shall be assessed to any player who injures an opponent as a result of high sticking. Okay. Do you know anything? Okay. I think that by the letter of those laws... Play was not a high stick because of the height of which the stick yeah. made the contact. My question is, do you know if you can find the rule for high sticking in relation to what can be reviewed in an official high reviewed? sticking review? In an official reviewed? high sticking review. That's my question. Um, I will get back to that. Uh, if you can find that, then please do and we will will get back to that in a bit um for now i want to pivot over to um obviously we had uh pittsburgh scored their goal um again a bit of a weird referee situation because even though it was clearly in they didn't see it for some reason i don't know how you missed that one i think it was the the first pittsburgh goal i don't know how you missed that yeah i uh, yeah, I honestly yeah. think with the Brian Ruskell, it was the angle and the speed of the puck that caused it to cause the ref not to notice it actually go in. Because um, from when you look at the replay, you don't even see the net pop up or down, like to kind of cause some movement in the net. It just came, and the puck went in and went out immediately. And I think that was what caused the ref to think maybe it hit the pipe. Yeah, and I guess you want to you want to edge, edge on the side of caution on those situations, primarily because you can always review and stop play to say that it was a goal. You can't review yeah. and stop play. if you stop play, then you stop the flow of play if it wasn't a goal. Yep. And um, they did. And then the there right was that. Uh, we head into the second period and um, another weird goal situation again. This time it comes from uh, a play that looked like it could have been offsides, but I want to focus more on not the offsides of it, but everything that happened before that or everything that happened after the uh, potential offsides, which was uh, Mrazek not being capable of picking up his stick. 
Yeah, Marazic yeah. had an issue with that stick. He kept fumbling it. I noticed it a couple other times tonight that he fumbled his stick around a few times. But at that moment, he lost his stick, got it back up, lost it again, tried to get it into his blocker, and he was out of position leading to open net for Crosby to bury one. Yeah, and, and you mentioned this, picked up the stick for him. And you mentioned this during the game, Tyler, that is... Or uh, is is that uh, when are uh, when are players going to learn that the strategy when your goal you lose your stick and instead of worrying about your defenseman or forward picking up the stick for him is to ice the puck and just ice it. It's yeah, never worth I it. Would... It's never it's never worth it to have your goalie be stickless. Just ice the puck. Just get the puck and get it out of there. Commit no, don't commit a delay a game penalty. Uh, don't commit a delay a game penalty. But ice it if you have to. Seriously, it's worth it. It's more worth it. I've never thought about it like that, and uh, now that you mention it, I would think that would be a strategy moving forward, or that's a strategy I would want to do moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it too many times where goalies lose their stick, and even if they lose their stick and then, like, it's like, you know, play happens for hour, for, for like forever, forever. They can't go and retrieve that stick. They are at a major disadvantage without holding the stick at all. Because it's not comfortable for them. They're they're in a struggle position. They're they have no they have no ability to to truly control their five hole. Even though a stick might not seem like an important element of a hawk of a goalie, it really honestly is. Especially just because of the comfort of it. So when a goalie doesn't have their stick, just get it out of there. Yeah, it, it's it's a difficult situation at points, and I can understand where you guys are saying it. I think what was happening, we also had two rookies out there in Bedard, and Korczynski was out there as well. So they're going to have those mistakes. They're going to learn from it. It's It's nothing to really fault on the guys. They're going to have those rookie mistakes this year. and. It's something to build on for their game going further. Yeah. Um, but right there, I mean, we're halfway through the game, and now they've scored two goals, and we're down to nothing. No one's really thinking that we're actually going to get back in this game. But then it comes, and it comes from Ryan Donato, who was just <laughs> right in the right position at the right time. Most of our goals came from the center of the ice, and that one right there, he was in the right spot at the right time, hardworking play. That was fantastic. He makes a nice move, too, in front of the net to get the goal. Yes, Yeah, the absolutely. one was on the doorstep for that one. Um, Bedard from behind the net feeds it up to Vlasic, and Donato buries the rebound on the doorstep, and I feel like that was the key moment that sparked all momentum swing for the Blackhawks because it felt like everything went in the Blackhawks' way. Yeah, everything went in the Blackhawks' way after that, but I don't necessarily think that everything the Blackhawks did after that was fantastic, because we were playing really well up to that point, and we actually started getting more and more outshot after that moment. It was just that when we had our chances, we were better at taking control of them, especially in the third period. First with Cole Gutman's goal, which I'm going to say this right now. This, to me, is... Solely because of what Seth Jones did on this play. Oh yeah, it was a great play he by Jones. With a stretch pass. 
It starts with his yeah. stretch pass wide to Boris Kachuk, and the play is inside. Shot is wide by Athens to you, who I frankly think we are misutilizing currently. Yeah. Picks it up on the side, cuts behind the net, passes right in front to Gutman, who is a wide open in the slot, and it's perfectly in, and it's tie game. Yeah, I was shocked to see after to see you not on a line with um, Lucas Reichel and Taylor Radish tonight, and I. But who besides that? The Gutman goal was honestly well put together by Jones to bring it all together, and um, Gutman. I said it in the preseason, he was going to be the player to watch out for in the preseason. And while he's continuing his play with great play after tonight, he managed to get on the board and in a great spot in the slot where you want to be to score goals. And he was able to manage to get there. Rockford boy. That's where he likes to be. That's where he likes to be. Cole Gutman likes to find his way into the slot. So great on Seth Jones for finding him there. Great on Cole for burying it. Tie game, and we keep on going. This part of the game is actually pivotal for me because this goal that comes here for the Hawks to to, to the game-winning goal for the Blackhawks here comes after like a minute and a half of the Penguins dominating control in their end of the play. It controlled like the, the previous minute and a half. And then we just go the other direction and out of nowhere, just steal the game. Majority of the first half, from that moment in time, it was completely against the run of play. Oh, yeah. It, it was interesting how play was, the play was breaking down. And I, was, I really wasn't worried at all. When Pittsburgh was pressing at the point before the Dickinson goal, I thought, okay, the Hawks are playing honestly good defensively tonight. I think they can manage to get this thing to overtime, but uh, we saw it come down the ice and Perry, Felino, and Dickinson, it turned into... It was, a, it, was a, it was a deflected pass. It was a deflected pass. Yeah. But it they work well together, and it led to the Hawks going down the ice to help them out to um, get on the uh, get the lead. Where I was trying yeah, to come. I'm, I'm going back and I'm watching this goal one more time just to see uh, what happened here, uh, and specifically the play leading up to it. Uh, Brian Rust cutting through the offensive zone, and it was a dual effort there from Kevin Korchinski and Seth and Seth Jones. To stand him up at the at the circles, um, midway through the ice, right in the slot. That's where he was caught, and then it just goes the other way. And that's a fourth line goal, but that's with two elite defensemen stopping a top player from getting a chance off. That's key right there. And it was great defense from both Korchinski and Seth Jones. Yeah. Uh... Korchinski took our comments about him not playing well defensively personal on that play. He he looked he looked much improved as the course of the game went on, and he had some very key moments. Even if I wouldn't say he was incredible, I thought that he had a very solid game, a nice NHL debut, and overall, then we get a you know empty netter goal. Um, and you know there we go. Hey, Hawks win the first game of the season. 
Uh, I don't think we said that last year. We definitely didn't say that last year. We own Pittsburgh. We do not. And we own Pittsburgh again, Buddy Robinson, my ten. hero. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this may have been our first uh, opening night win I, it, since we won that um, opening night against Pittsburgh 10-1 seven years ago. Was that actually 10-1? Yes, yeah, it was 10-1. Yeah, because it's definitely because we didn't we didn't win against Colorado last year or Colorado the year before that or Tampa the year before that. So, and there was probably and I know there was a couple years before, but I just can't remember exactly what the opening nights were there. But hey, good for us. Hey, we start the season with a perfect record. We are the best team in the NHL as of right now because we have the best goal difference in the league. You have to give all credit to uh, Peter Mrazek tonight. He stood on his head after, before that fumbled goal uh, that gave uh, that gave up with the fumbling of the stick. But all tonight, Mrazek stood on his head. Yeah. Um. So the three stars of the game officially from this game were Brian Rust. Peter Morazic and Jason Dickinson. I think that those are actually pretty ridiculous calls, personally. <laughs> so you go, Tyler. I think your first star is Peter Morazic. I think I your second star. I think your second star is Seth Jones. And then I think you can go with Tristan Jari for star number three, honestly. Yeah, I could see where you're coming um, from. I would say I, don't I would think, say I don't, Jones only had one point. Or, I thought he had more. He was a plus three. He really controlled the game. Yeah, I thought he had more points though. I know the goals came from Jason Dickinson, but one of those was an empty net yeah. or a fifth. So like, like I think I think first stars. Who would you guys go with first star? Because I think I'd go Peter Morazic. I will yeah, go Peter Morazic. He was the only, or not the only reason, but one of the main reasons we won this game. I mean, he stopped. He stopped thirty-eight shots on forty, on forty uh, shots on goal. So, in the first game too, pretty good. A lot of them were really difficult saves to make. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, he had that one. I can remember the one, I think it was Eric Carlson who was streaking down the slot and he gloved it. And then he got the cross crease uh, save with the glove. So yeah, he was pretty good tonight. It was fantastic. Great game for him, great start. Tomorrow it's Soderblom and Net. Yep, Soderblom against the Wild. I trust Soderblom going up against Boston tomorrow to be Oh, Boston! As I said I'm sorry. in our um, yeah. pod, I said I think um, we can beat Boston, and I realistically still think we can beat Boston. The way the Hawks win tonight is a type of game you could go into a back-to-back with, with a bunch of great emotion. To actually play strong hockey for follow up night. 
I don't know if we'll be back tomorrow night, but what I'll say right now is does anyone here have a score prediction? For tomorrow's night's game? Just for tomorrow. Just for tomorrow. Based on what we've seen today, has anything changed? What are we going for tomorrow? I'm going to predict a 5-2-3 Hawks win. 5-3? Mm, 5-3. You know, yes. I said that we would be losing this game today, or on our predictions. Or... Not the Pittsburgh game. I predicted we would win. I predicted we would lose the Boston game. But after today, I think I'll have us still losing, but in overtime. That's where I was thinking, too. Because Boston's not... Boston didn't play tonight. So we're a no, bit tired. Not. I wonder... Any, anyone think that we might have some lineup changes? I think that we might get a couple different guys in. Boston's always been a physical team. They have Milan Lucic. I think that that's the kind of game you want either Entwistle or Reese Johnson in there. I think they can provide some value. I would yeah, agree with I think that. we see a one lineup change, and I can see us insert Entwistle into the Boris Kachuk spot. And... I really hope that we don't see Nikita Zaitsev tomorrow. I wonder oh, if it's like, if Zaitsev plays, it might be for Tenorti, which I think would be understandable. We have a new yeah. win. We have a new win uh, award for like the players. They have a chain now instead of the belt. They have a chain now? It's yeah, no okay. longer the belt? No, it's not the belt. New era. Oh, God. I miss, uh, I like the belt. The Blackhawks just posted it on their Instagram. Uh, Morazic got the chain because yeah, Morazic. So I think we're all in agreement. Player of the game goes to Peter Morazic, correct? Yeah. Hell yes. So we got for tomorrow's game. We got two overtime loss predictions and one win prediction from Nick. I'm gonna say the overtime loss will be a four-three. I'll say, since I haven't said my score prediction, I just said the way we would lose, I would say 3-2. to two. Uh, But our gets us first goal. That'll be it for us here at the Hockey Podcast. We might be back with a couple more game recaps, quick game recaps. They'll be like right after the game and see how it goes. This has been fantastic. What a way to start the season. Thank you so much for joining me, Nick. What a great win for the Hawks to start off a new era of Chicago Blackhawks hockey. And John, we are we are 1-0 in the Bedard era. Undefeated Chicago Blackhawks. Let's go. My name is Tyler. This has been the Hockey Podcast, and we will see y'all next time. Have a great night, Chicago, and take care. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by EY forward slash 4.0.